0: We continue with our Salvation Soteria series where we are looking at the topic of salvation. And we have seen a number of things. I would encourage you to listen to the other sermons that we have already recorded on the said topic. We looked at a number of things. We defined salvation, what it was all about. We looked at the physical uh, salvation in the Old Testament. We looked at the physical salvation in uh, in the new testament as well as the spiritual aspect of salvation we also looked at the three tenses of salvation and uh, we began on the past tense of salvation we say this is where you have been delivered from the penalty of sin in genesis we see man adam sinned against god and man has to pay and that is why jesus had to come and pay for the penalty of what adam did and uh, we saw a number of things. We saw that the past tense of salvation is all about justification. And we were able to define what justification is all about. I encourage you to go back and read it. And then we, uh, we said uh, a small thing about the present tense. The present tense of salvation is God delivering you from the, 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 the power of sin. The power of sin the past tense God is God delivered you from the penalty of sin the present tense God delivers you from the power of sin and the future uh, future tense of salvation is God delivering you from the presence of sin so we handled the past tense of of, uh, of salvation where we talked about justification we have them in recording I would highly recommend that you go back and you, Get to feed on the past tense. Get to understand what happened, what justification is all about. And may the good Lord bless you in Jesus' name. So today, still on salvation, we're going to look at the present tense of salvation. We looked at the past tense in depth. Today, we are going to look at the present tense in depth. We are going to study a number of things. I pray that you get your pen, your paper, your Bible. And let us get to understand what the Lord wants us to understand today in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you and we bless you that the entrance of your word brings light. We thank you because the Holy Spirit has already been given unto us. And may the eyes of our inner man be flooded with light, that we may understand what you're telling us concerning salvation. Spirit of the living God, I ask of you, let your presence, let your anointing, that is able to make us understand the scriptures, be free to 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 do as your will, O oh Lord. And our hearts and our minds are, are, are placed in you, O oh God. May you teach us what we need to know in Jesus' name. Amen. So this stage of salvation involves God saving us from the power of sin, like we have said. Sin in its original context means missing the mark. When we say uh sin. the the sin that was committed by Adam we basically mean missing the mark or being separated from God and this is what happened with Adam when Adam sinned he actually got separated from God he got separated from the presence of God from the power of God if this was a physical death then immediately after he committed that sin Adam would have died but we see Adam uh, uh, living on to be beyond 900 plus years. So we can correctly, uh, uh say that he died spiritually. He died spiritually. And we're going to be looking at that as we st- unfold the mystery of salvation. Now, this stage of salvation involves uh, God saving us from the power of sin. We have seen that. And now God delivers us from the power of sin and makes us a new creation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he has made him to be sin, Jesus, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Outside Christ, we are not righteous. Outside Christ, we cannot be justified. Outside Christ, we cannot be uh made made righteous unto the lord because god made jesus sin there's a difference between covering jesus with sin and making him sin. he became one with sin he became one with what we call sin so that i can be one with him in righteousness now by that factor by that uh, work of, of of jesus on the cross I have now peace. You have now peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. God is at peace with you, not because you do good. And it's very good to do good. Not because you give in church. Not because you pray. Not because you tithe. Not because you love your parents. You love your wife. God is not good because of uh, to you because of those things. And they are very nice. They are very good to be uh, for, for us to be doing so. But God is good to us. God has, uh, 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 we have now peace with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, not being justified by what we do, not being justified by what we think. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I approach the throne of grace, when you go to pray, pray knowing that God has peace with you. And this is one of the, uh, the mindsets that a new believer should walk in. The, the new creation has peace with God. Whatever is happening on earth is not a function of God. We have peace with God. God is no longer angry with us. We are new creation in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. All things are become new. Now, having received this aspect of our salvation, that we are we are new creation in Christ Jesus, we have the righteousness of God, he was made sin so that you can become righteous, and now we have peace with God. Now we go to the second aspect that we are looking uh, at, the present tense of salvation. The past tense, you receive Christ. Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart you are born again that is the first aspect. you are now made justified that is the first aspect of salvation now you go to the second aspect of salvation where all of us are it is called sanctification so today we are going to look at sanctification which is the second phase of salvation i begin by reading for you From the Bible in 1 Corinthians, chapter number 1, from verse number 30, the Bible says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. Let me repeat it again. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness. And sanctification, and redemption. What is the Bible telling us? Jesus has been made unto us wisdom. Jesus Christ has been made unto us righteousness. Jesus has been made unto us sanctification. Jesus has been made unto us redemption. As we go on with this uh, uh, teaching, a couple of uh, uh, maybe uh, weeks to come, we shall be looking at what. Christ has been made unto us the wisdom, the righteousness, the sanctification part, and the redemption part. But let me just, allow me to lay a foundation on what I'm trying to say here. He says that Christ has been made unto us wisdom. So, as a believer, I have the wisdom of Christ. I have the wisdom he had when he was creating the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First John, uh, John chapter number one, rather, it says, in the beginning was the word, in Genesis was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. The same was there from the beginning. So Jesus has been made unto me the wisdom of God. In other words, the wisdom that I need is in Christ. Mm -hmm. The righteousness that I need is in Christ. The sanctification that I need is in Christ, and the redemption that I need is in Christ. That scripture talks about what we have received from the packs of salvation, from the package called salvation. So, what is sanctification? Sanctification means to be set apart. It means to be declared holy. It means to be consecrated. Let me repeat it again. Sanctification means to be set apart, or declared holy. It means to be consecrated. It means to be to make legitimate. It means now you have you have freedom from sin. You're gonna see that. The generic meaning of sanctification is the state of proper functioning. Mm -hmm. So it basically tells us that when Adam lost it in the Garden of Eden, he stopped functioning well. Because the generic meaning of sanctification is the state of proper functioning. To sanctify someone or something is to set that person or 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 a thing apart for the use intended by its designer. A pen is sanctified when it is used to write. Eyeglasses are sanctified when used to improve sight. In the theological sense, things are sanctified when they are used for the proper God intended use. A human being is sanctified therefore when he or she lives according to God's design and purpose. So every time we are living away from the purpose and intent of God, we are actually denying our sanctification. Don't let that escape your mind. Sanctification is the state of proper functioning. A laptop is created, is sanctified to be used for typing or to read or to do something on the Internet. That's the work that the laptop has been designed by the designer now sanctification is being separated unto god sanctification is being se- separated unto god coming into your heavenly position in christ and it's the life that currently flows out of that position see if sanctification is to be set apart where are you being being set? where are you coming from where are you where are you being set apart from you're being removed from the the the, the world itself to another kingdom. You're moving from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of Christ. That is sanctification. Now, sanctification says that your spirit has already become perfect like Christ, and now your mind and your body are catching up. Write that down. Sanctification says that your spirit has already become perfectly like Christ, and now your body and uh, and mind are catching up. Now understand this, every Christian has an internal foe, F-O-E, an internal foe, that is the sin, sin nature, an external foe, the world system, and an infernal foe, the devil. Let me slow it down and say it again. Every Christian has an internal foe, the sin nature, an external foe, the world system, and an internal foe, the devil that works in collusion to defeat the the believer spiritually and thus hinder the believer from doing a number of things for example walking by faith you will realize walking by faith in your life is hindered by your internal foe your external foe or the infernal foe it, you can also be hindered from growing in grace You can also be hindered from impacting others for Jesus Christ. Every day we must consciously walk in the grace of God for us to have a daily victory in our walk with God over sin and sinful nature of the old man. Now, the root word translated sanctification is where we get the word holiness or to make holy. So therefore, sanctification means to make holy. In one sense, only God is holy. We see that in Isaiah 6, from verse number 3, it says, And one cried out unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God, you need to understand, is separate, distinct. No human being or thing shares the holiness of God and, uh, 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 and his essential nature. There is only one God. Yet scriptures speak about holy things. We see in the Old Testament, there were uh, holy instruments of the tabernacle. We see God calling Israel a holy nation, yet we know and we see from from the Old Testament that Israel was far much the opposite of what God called them. And from time to time, human beings are commanded to sanctify themselves uh, uh, as unto the Lord. Let's look at some of the examples. For example, in Exodus 13, it says, God commands the nation of Israel to consecrate to uh, to to Him every firstborn male. Mm-hmm. He says in uh, uh, the Bible says in 1 Peter three verse fifteen that you should set apart Christ in your heart. You should sanctify the Lord Jesus in your heart. So to sanctify in a natural means we are we were nobodies before salvation. And now that the gift of salvation has been given unto us, we have now been set apart for the use, for for use for the master. In other words, God has set us apart, not for ourselves, not so that we can do things on our own, so that he can use us for his own glory. And this uh, begins to debunk to our hearts and to our minds that we are not of our own, our lives belong to God. And he has a choice over what he wants us to do. That's why all of us can't be pastors. All of us cannot be business people. All of us cannot be politicians. All of us cannot be teachers. All of us cannot be uh, 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 academics. God has already sanctified us in Christ. And so we need to understand and ask him, yes, you have set me apart. I have received that gift. And now that I am set apart, what will you have me do for you, for the kingdom? Sanctification teaching is not about telling Christians what they should or shouldn't do. See, if you go to somebody who is sinning and you begin to tell them that you're sinning, trust me, they already know they are sinning. They don't need a prophet to tell them they're doing something wrong. The Spirit of God in them is the light they need to tell them they are not doing something nice. So sanctification is not about telling you and I what we should and what we should not do. It's about identifying the very passion and desires that God has put in our spirits at rebirth and empowered, empowering those passions to come out and thus and, 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 and begin to flow. We begin to flow with the power of God. We begin to flow with our new nature that God has called us to be. Sanctification has happened, and is happening. Write that down. Sanctification has already happened, and is happening. Now, sanctification is an event, and a process. There are two things here that we need to understand. Sanctification has happened, and is happening. It is an event, and a process. The process of sanctification can happen because the event of sanctification has already happened. How can we say that sanctification has already happened? Let's look at a couple of scriptures so that we can understand what I'm trying to put across the table. Acts chapter number 20 from verse 32. Turn with me to Acts 20 from verse number 32. It says, and now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all of them that are sanctified. I commend you to God. This is Apostle Paul. He's coming to the journey, to his final journey. In the book of of Acts, he has uh, uh, been going through the churches, strengthening the the churches, and now it is time to go. It is time for him to go back to Jerusalem. So he's talking to, uh, this is actually the last words of Apostle Paul before he went to prison. And so he says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Now, question is, what is able to build you and I up? The word of his grace. That is why the message of grace is important to the church, because the message of grace is what will build us up. And he says, and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. It is able to build us up the message of grace, the gospel of grace. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is able to build you you and I up and give us an inheritance among all that are sanctified. So we see this is a past tense uh, word that has been added to the scripture. Sanctified. It's already done. Mm -hmm. We're going to see. We're going to see how it has already been done. Now, remember I said sanctification is is an event as well as a process. All right. Okay. Now, let me explain. How is it already done? The moment you received Christ, sanctification also took place because you were set apart. That's the meaning of sanctification. You were made holy by the time you received Jesus Christ. That has already happened in your spirit, but it's yet to be actualized in your mind and in your body. That is why I am saying sanctification is an event. You received it when you said, Lord, I need you and I want your life and I receive your life. You received sanctification. Now, the process is making what took place in your heart be the same rhythm with what is happening in your body as well as in your mind. So sanctification is an event as well as a process. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, if we, you were to live consciously of the fact that you are holy, holy as Jesus, what will happen every day? You will not be susceptible to sinning, per se, or the carnal nature of the old man. The Apostle Paul tells us also, In Acts 26 from verse number 18, he's now talking to King Agrippa. He has been presented before uh, the tribunal. They are now talking about, uh, he's now giving a defense of why he was uh, arrested and stuff. You can read that in Acts, the whole chapter, the whole chapter of uh, chapter 26, you can see all that. But let me just capture this scripture from verse number 18 of Acts 28, 26. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Already happened. When we receive, remember justification is by faith. He's telling us also here, sanctification is by faith. And how do you receive Christ? By faith. By grace are you saved. By grace are you saved. By grace are you saved. So everything about this, uh, the package called salvation is by faith. You receive it by faith. So when you received sanctification, you were made holy. You were set apart. But now your body doesn't know that. Your mind doesn't know that. Let's look again from the words of Peter in 1 Peter 1.1. Let me read it for you. 1 Peter 1.1. Uh, The Bible says Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification, sanctification of the Spirit, sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. I want you to get that sanctification of the Spirit. That tells us is that's now the process of sanctification. Remember the other the others that we have been looking at, you get them when you receive Christ. But now here he's talking about sanctification of the spirit. In other words, as we walk with the Holy Ghost, as we dine with the Spirit of God, we are now being processed to make our triune beings because we are human beings, we have a spirit, we have a body, and we have a soul. So all these three triune aspects of our lives have now to be in oneness for us to to experience uh, the present tense of salvation. Mm -hmm. Now, let us look at the process. I have said sanctification is an event and as well as a process. An event, we have seen, we receive it when we get born again the moment you said jesus i receive you in my heart that is the first thing that's the first event of sanctification but you have also said that your body is not born again your mind is not born again so we are now going to look at the process of sanctification the process of sanctification romans six eleven. apostle paul in romans chapter number six Begins by telling us, shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? He says, certainly not. Now let's go to verse number 11. We see his mind concerning the process of sanctification. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin reign therefore, in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the last thereof. Neither yield yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul makes this statement in verse number three. Go back to verse number three. Know you not that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him by baptism. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in the newness of life apostle paul is telling us that we were baptized don't you realize that as many of us were baptized into jesus were baptized into his death when we talk about baptism into jesus we also mean baptism into his spirit we were baptized into his spirit into his death in other words we were set apart we were chosen and set apart and baptized into his death. And then, Now he says in verse number four, therefore we were buried. So we were baptized into his death. We were buried into his death. And now we are alive so that we have the newness of life. This shows us we died with Jesus. We were buried with Jesus and we resurrected with Jesus. Verse number five says, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his dead, we shall, also in, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, if we died with Jesus, we were buried with Jesus, we rose with Christ. Now we are set apart. We have a new life. We are living in the newness of life. This event of his death, burial and resurrection sanctified us. We are now sanctified by his sacrifice on the cross. In other words, when he was being nailed on the cross, I was also being nailed. When he was pierced on the side, I was also being pierced. When he was removed and taken to the tomb, we died together with him. When he resurrected, I also resurrected with him. That's the mindset of a new creation believer. That's the mindset of a sanctified mind, a sanctified soul, a sanctified new creation in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. With this mindset, the good apostle now tells us from verse 11, how to walk the process of sanctification. Let us look at some keys he says in verse number 11. He says, reckon yourself to be dead to sin. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin. In other words, Me and you, because we are born again, we are dead to sin and alive to God. If Jesus has the ability in Him right now not to sin, I also have the ability inherent in me not to sin. That's why I have the Holy Ghost. That's why I have grace. The second thing we see, He says, "Let not sin reign over you, that you should obey it." He tells us, "Let not sin reign over you." In other words, He is saying. God has got no power here. He has already given you the power. He says, Let not sin reign over you. So you have a choice. You can decide not to sin. Seller, I say again, you can decide not to sin. He says, Let not sin reign over you, that you should obey it in its last. And here, he shows us, Apostle Paul shows us the anatomy of how a sin comes from or comes into being he says let not sin reign over you that you should obey its last so what brings about the manifestation of sin last 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 he says let not sin reign over you that you should obey it in its last let me remind you something again your spirit has been made new when you received Jesus Christ. Your body and your mind are not immediately saved. They are undergoing this process of salvation. That's why your mind requires renewal. And your body requires discipline. Romans 12, verse number one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Notes. Notice what the Bible says. I usually like to pay attention on what is written in the Bible. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. So he's talking to brothers who are born again. Brethren, he's not talking about people who are not born again. He's talking about people who are already born again. I therefore beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, not God, you, not angels, you present your body who does the presenting me and you it is our duties to present our bodies so we should grow so much in our inner man in our spirit man that we can tell our bodies what to do he says that you present your body a living sacrifice holy acceptable acceptable unto god it is one thing if you i take your mind to the old testament When they used to offer sacrifices, they would offer sacrifices of an animal that has already been killed. Is it? It's very true. But now here he tells us to offer our bodies as living sacrifice. You try getting a cow on top of fire when it's alive. Do you think it will take it lying down? No, it won't. It will fight its way out. Now you see why your body is always struggling with your spirit. Because the Bible is saying, offer your body as a living sacrifice. A living one. That is why your body fights you when you're praying. That's why your body fights you when you're fasting. Haven't you realized that it's when you're fasting that the food you least enjoy eating smells very nice? Yeah because it's the living sacrifice that is fighting it's your body that is fighting the living sacrifice no animal that was sacrificed in the old testament was sacrificed alive they had to kill it because they knew and that's why sometimes when god is dealing with our lives with our hearts and with our bodies and with our with with, with what he has placed in our hearts sometimes god will begin to 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 deal with something in your in your heart Maybe uh, 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 he's trying to teach you about trust and trusting him, but you're always there thinking about your family. And when he touches something, you're running. You're off running. You're off going. Present your body as a living sacrifice. He says, you are the one to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. So God is interested so much with your body being a living sacrifice. And he says, which is your reasonable service? In other words, God is saying, "I, you are well able to do it. It's reasonable. What I'm asking you to do is where uh, in your means to do it. It's a re- reasonable sacrifice. Another version says, is your act. Is your- of worship. he says when you present your body as a living sacrifice is an act of worship, you're actually worshiping God through your body and then he says, do not be conformed to this world. Now look, look at this. the first part has dealt with your body. the second part is dealing with your mind and be not conformed to this world but be transformed. If you want to see transformation in your life, renew your mind. Find out what the Bible says concerning money, concerning marriage, concerning health. Renew your mind. Stop feeding your mind with garbage. It's time you do a mind laundry and begin to renew your mind with the Word of God. Do you know what the Word of God says about, uh, uh, for example, the Spirit of God? What the Bible says concerning salvation as we are looking at, what the Bible says concerning hell, concerning heaven, concerning finances, concerning a family. Renew your mind. Some of us, we have so much information that we have gotten from Google, but we don't have much information from the Bible. Don't you realize that the Spirit of God, the Bible says, he searches the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit searches the mind of God. The Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. Renew your mind. Do not be conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible didn't say by the removal of your mind. That is why when you come to church, when you hear a sermon, come with your mind also. The Bible didn't say that you you are transformed by the removal of your mind, but by the renewing of your mind. And then he says that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, the Bible says, as you renew your mind by studying the scriptures, by prayer, by intimacy with the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to understand the three phases of God's will. The first one is good, the second one is acceptable. And the third one is the perfect will of God. Let me explain here. How do I know the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God? Now, I will take marriage as the best example. Now, the good will of God is that all men and women should get married. Of course, I know there are people who may never be married because they have made a choice not to. But the good will of God is that we should uh, we should have families and that should happen through the institution of marriage malachi chapter number two says he brings the two together so that he can he seeks a godly offspring the reason why god brings a man and a woman and they get married is so that they can give god godly offsprings god is transgenerational so he doesn't bring you so that you just enjoy your marriage He also has vested interest in your marriage he's seeking godly offspring now another thing that we need to understand about marriage is that god is the author of the institution of marriage so it's the will of god for us to have families in and and the will of god is to do it in the context of a f- husband and a wife a man and a woman that have that god brings together and they become one flesh and he seeks godly offspring all right that's the the general will of god the good will of god is the general will of god now the acceptable will of god is simply this maybe a man has gotten to that age he now feels he wants to get married now the bible says as many as are led by the spirit of god these are the sons of god now when it comes to us, Because we are set apart We do things the way God wants them to be done Nothing wrong with a man going out there And getting a woman and getting married to them There is nothing wrong with that But when it comes to the context of a believer God is keen on who you marry So you have to go back And find out Lord is this the one I should marry You have seen a beautiful woman And you feel inclined to marry them or her, excuse me for that, you should find out God's plan concerning them. Is it the will of God concerning them? But if you take any other woman and marry them, well, there is nothing wrong from the eyes of God, but he will just accept it, but it's not what he really wanted. And that's why most of the time you you get into relationships where it's just the acceptable will of God he didn't desire it to happen, but because you chose to do it, okay, I will still use it for my own good. But you, you, the person that, uh, the man that married the woman, you might have to endure a lot because you went away from the will of God. You might end up enduring a lot. That is why it's important to find out: Is this the person to marry? Lord, is this the person I should marry? Now, the perfect will of God is God desires you to marry this sister. that's the will of God because God is saying this sister will be much help in your destiny will be much help in your work with God. see in the in the in the acceptable will of God you can be maybe for example you God has called you to be a pastor or one of the fivefold ministers, an evangelist or so on and so forth yet you end up marrying a woman who is into business. Now you see, it will always be clashing when it comes to your uh, to your call because as a pastor, as an evangelist, as a prophet, you need all the help from your wife. Matter of fact, it is wiser when the two of you are in the same uh, calling, so to speak. That's what I have seen in my life in ministry. So there's a good will of God. That's the general will of God, the acceptable will of God, and the perfect will of God. This happens when? When we renew our minds. That is the process of sanctification. We are to present our lives as a living sacrifice. Never forget that. Now, look at Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews 12, verse number one. Hebrews 12, verse number one. The Bible says, wherefore seeing we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which does so easily besets us. How do we? How do we run this race well? We must lay aside every weight. I usually say there is a difference between sin and weight. Uh, weight is not necessarily sin. It can be an appetite that causes you to drag. If you have ever looked at somebody running an athlete, they don't run, they don't uh, do a marathon with a trench coat, they don't do it in jeans, they don't do it in high heels, you will not be able to run effectively. So a trench coat, high heels, and so on and so forth may not be uh, suitable for uh, this person doing a marathon. It's a weight. You should find out what are the weights that you carry unnecessary fat that you carry, yeah? A weight could be an appetite, like I've said. Maybe you are engaging in too much social media. You are engaging in too much movies. You are engaging in too much uh, uh, um, uh, friendship. And there is nothing wrong with these things. We we all have to tame them. The Bible says, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets you. Every person knows exactly what can easily beset them. See, if you have never had a drinking problem, if a, a bottle of Tuska was placed in front of you, you will not. it will not be tempting to you. But if you have struggled with drinking and a glass or a, a bottle of Tuska is placed before you, every single inch of your body will begin to shiver. Why? That is what will easily beset you. If you have have been having issues with uh, with uh, with um, with sex and 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 uh, and uh, appetites and so on and so forth, then the internet is what will easily beset you. Lay aside every weight, and the sin that easily besets you. And the Bible says, "And let us run with patience the race that is set before us." How are we going to run? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he, and, and he, sat down at the, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. We are to look unto Jesus. If you want to come out of an addiction, set your eyes on Jesus. If you want to come out of a sin that easily besets you, set your eyes on Jesus. Be honest with God. See, most of us, we are not honest with God. We approach God with a King James Version. Thou art are, are greatest, thou, thou art mightiest. All those things your father in heaven knows. But he's looking for genuine sons who are not going to be fake before his presence. How can you be fake before God? And he knows you inside out. Be honest with God. Tell him, Father, this is my area of struggle. Help me as your son. There is much grace. The Bible says, therefore, let us draw Uh, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy we are going we are supposed to go to the throne of grace be honest with god father this is what i am this is my challenge this is what easily besets me and then allow the holy spirit to work it out all right that deals with our mind how do you deal with your body Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, from verse 25, he says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible one. Therefore, so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline. The, The Amplified says, I beat my body. I I box my body. That's what the Bible says. Therefore, I beat my body. I I bring it in subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself be cast away. Here, he was talking to pastors. He was telling them, I beat this body. I tell it what to do. Lest when I have preached to all others, I myself be cast away. So you are meant to grow in your inner man to a point of you beat your body. If you have been struggling in prayer, you are better off praying, sleeping. Get into a closet, pray. Even if you sleep there, you're sleeping in the presence of God. But don't keep praying. You're better off reading one verse, two verses, one chapter, than not reading at all. You're better off worshipping one song one hour, ten minutes, five minutes, than do- doing nothing. Beat your body, tell it what to do. Let me tell you people. This body is already home. It is lying to you. This body is already home. It will back here, here. It will stay here. You, your spirit will go to your father. Don't let this body that is already home tell tell you what to do. Beat it. Tell it what to do. Now the apostle Paul says something that is powerful that I will close with. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 from verse number 1 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 from verse number 1 remember we are looking at the present tense of salvation the present tense of salvation says that we have been we are being delivered from the power of sin so we are seeing how god is delivering me and you from the power of sin and we have seen that sanctification is in, is the present tense of salvation and we have seen that sanctification is not only an event it is also a process. So we are looking at the process now of being sanctified. First the Thessalonians chapter number 4 from verse number 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you brethren. Again, he's talking to brothers because the second step of salvation, the second uh the, the present tense of salvation involves people who are born again. It doesn't involve people who are not born again. That one is in the past tense here present tense and future tense is going to be we are going to be talking about brothers me and you people who are called saints brothers in Christ so he says furthermore then we beseech you brethren and exhort you by the lord uh exhort you by by the lord Jesus that as you have received us how you ought to walk and to please god so you are going to see how we ought to walk and to please god so you Uh, So that we can abound even more. Verse number two. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus Christ. For this, let's look at the commandment. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. You should abstain from fornication. That is the command from God, which is the will of God the will of God, even your sanctification. So somebody will ask me, Pastor, what's the will of God? He says it here. For this is the will of God that you abstain from fornication, sex outside marriage. That's what fornication is all about. And please don't be this kind of a person that sugarcoats things. We, we do exactly what the Bible has said. You should abstain from fornication. If you're a single lady, if you're a single guy, Wait till you're married. If you're you're a married man, you're a married woman. The 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 command is abstain from adultery. Amen. Verse number four: that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. Here, the word vessel means body. That you one, each one, every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. So God sees how you treat your body. God sees how you treat your body whether in honor or in dishonor. Verse number 5. Not in the last of cons, uh, cons, uh, not in the last uh, even as the gentiles which know not God. So he tells us the people don't, who don't know God are always battling last. Verse number 6 that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified, for God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Let me read for you the amplified version of First Thessalonians chapter number four, from verse number one and more, and uh, and furthermore, brethren, we beg you and admonish you. In the virtue of our union with the lord jesus christ that you follow the instructions which you learn from us about how you ought to walk as to be uh, as to please and gratify god as indeed you are doing and that you you do so even more and more abundantly for you know what charge and precepts you gave you uh, on the authority and by inspiration of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God. What's the will of God? That you should be consecrated, separated, and set apart for pure and holy living. That you should abstain and shrink from all sexual vices. That's what the Bible is telling us. God is concerned about your sexuality. Virginity is still popular in the eyes of God. Purity is still Popular in the eyes of God. Verse number four says that each one of you should know how to possess. See, it doesn't. God is out of this equation. It's upon you and I that each one of you should know how to possess. You should know. I should know how to possess, control, manage our bodies in consecration. That is impurity separated from things profane and honor, not to be used in the passion of lust like the brethren, that's verse number six, who are ignorant of the true God and have no knowledge of his will, that no man transgress and uh, uh, overreach his brother and defraud him in this manner. Which manner? In the manner of sexual immolarity or defrauds his brother in business. For the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we have already warned you solemnly and told you plainly. For God has not called us to impurity, but to consecration, to dedicate ourselves to the most thorough purity. Therefore, whoever uh, disregards, sets aside and rejects this, that's what verse number eight I'm reading, disregards not man but God. So these commands did not come from a man, they came from God. And guess what? They are in the New Testament. Therefore, whoever disregards, sets aside and rejects this, disregards no man but God, whose very spirit whom he gives to you is holy and pure. So, brothers and sisters, it is my duty, it is your duty to present your body as a living sacrifice. I know most people say, oh, my dress, my choice, I beg to differ. I really beg to differ. I'm not saying that we should not be fashionable, I am not even there. What I'm saying is, may you get to a place that you sanctify God in your heart, that you know if, if, if my way of dressing will, will mess someone's life, I will not do it. And this is one thing I have noticed about the devil. This guy has been around for years, years upon years. You cannot be cleverer than him. When the Bible says flee, flee, flee sexual immolarity, please do it. This man, for lack of a better word, the devil is not your grandfather. Don't ever say that you're strong enough. I have seen people lose their destinies, their marriages, their relationships, because they took it way too far. They thought it was very innocent. Please. Sanctify the Lord Jesus in your heart. I finish with Apostle Paul's admonition in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 from verse number 18. He says, flee. Flee fornication. Hey, there are things you pray about, but there are things, man, run, run, don't pray about it. Just run. He says, flee fornication. And this is what Joseph did. He, he went away. The Bible says, flee fornication. Listen, every sin that a man does is with the, without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In other words, he's saying, glorify God in whatever has happened in your spirit, let it be transpired into your body. And this is my prayer for us, especially our generation. May we exemplify Christ in our bodies. God is concerned uh, by by which part of your bed you're waking up. See, there are some people who have decided to be waking up in other people's uh, wives or husbands' bed, choose to be different. Choose to be different. Choose to have a different spirit. Choose that this, this my body is dedicated as, as unto the Lord. If you're married, please love your wife. Love your husband. God died for your husband. God died for your wife. Treat them as they, as, as, as they are children of God. Treat them with love and honor and respect. God loves the institution of marriage. God loves it. May we love what God loves and hate what he hates. Love your wife. Wife, love your husband as unto the Lord. And may we be sanctified. May we be set apart. This is the only way we shall overcome sin. This is the only way. The grace of God is already available. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Look at your life. As a married person. Look at your life as a married uh, woman or a married husband. Look at your life as a single girl, as a single young man. Does your body, does your mind glorify God? Let me take it even deeper. When we look at your mobile phone, if we go to your WhatsApp chats, your Facebook messenger chats, are you sure they are glorifying God? I live with that. Meditate upon that. And may God help us by His Spirit in Jesus' name.